Chapter 14 Carter lowered the pistol, her angry fantasies lingering in her mind. Carter, what are you doing? Dan's face became pale. Where did you get that gun? It's Daddy's, said Carter. I found it here one day when he was out. He doesn't know I've seen it. Put it away, Dan snapped. He grabbed the gun from her and dropped it into the desk drawer. That's not the way to handle a problem. It'll only make things worse. Carter was shaking. I just don't know what to do, Dan, she said. I'm trapped, totally trapped. He held her, soothing her. There's got to be a way out. Don't worry. Just stop giving him money. I'll try to think of something. Carter leaned against Dan, glad he was there. She had never realized how strong he was, but even with his strength and calm, she couldn't imagine how he could help her out of this. She wished he could, but she knew it was impossible. After Dan left, Carter hurried to her room. She took her jewelry box from the dresser and dumped the contents on her bed. Then she poked through it, picking out anything that could be of value. She gathered together all the gold chains, necklaces, bracelets, and earrings, stuffed them in a brown paper bag, and drove to the old village. Dan means well, she thought, as she searched for the parking space. But he doesn't know Adam. If I can buy a little more time from Adam, maybe we can figure something out. But the important thing is to get Adam that money. Adam could be really dangerous, after all. She remembered the terrifying car chase. Before that, the horrible double date. And before that, the cow's heart. Adam's getting more dangerous all the time, she realized with a shiver. I hate to think what he'll do next. She carried her brown paper bag full of jewelry into Corelli's antiques. Mr. Corelli remembered her. He smiled and nodded. She dumped the jewelry on the counter, and the old man frowned. These items are not of the same quality as the earrings, he said with his accent. He sifted through it all carefully. Carter watched him impatiently. Mr. Corelli picked out a few of the gold chains and bracelets. I will give you two hundred dollars for these, he said, holding up the chains he had chosen. Two hundred dollars! Carter needed a thousand. She tried to hide her desperation. Didn't you like these other things? she asked. I think you could sell them. The old man shook his head. No, just these things. Two hundred dollars, miss. Carter saw that he would not bargain this time. Maybe two hundred dollars would hold Adam for a few days, until she thought of some way to get more money. It would have to hold him. Okay, she said. It's a deal. Mr. Corelli gave her the money. She stuffed it into the paper bag and left. She took the rest of the jewelry to the other antique shops on the block, but nobody wanted to buy the things Corelli had rejected. Carter was near tears. What could she do? It was already five o'clock. She had no idea where she could scrape up eight hundred dollars on such short notice. What would Adam do when she offered him only two hundred? Would he take it, or would he be insulted or angry that she couldn't give him all he'd asked for? She didn't know how he'd react and was shaking with fear and fury as she made her way through the narrow streets of the old village to Adam's house. Easing the car down Fear Street, she pulled up at the curb. Then she climbed out of the car, clutching her paper bag. She took a deep breath and walked up to Adam's front door. It was dark by the time she turned onto her street. After leaving Adam's house, she had driven around in a daze, not seeing where she was going and not caring. One thought floated through her mind as she drove. Is the nightmare over now? Could it really be over? Pulling into her drive, she saw that her parents were still out, but someone was there, leaning against the door. Carter's heart pounded. She climbed out of the car and walked up to the front door. Dan, she cried. Where have you been? He demanded. She didn't answer him, avoided his eyes, and wondered why he'd come back. She opened the front door and went into the house. Dan followed her in. What's wrong? Did you see Adam? She didn't want to tell him. She tried to come up with another lie, something he'd believe. She didn't get a chance. The doorbell rang. With a cry of surprise, Carter went to answer it, Dan behind her. She opened the door to see two grim-faced police officers. "'Are you Carter Phillips?' asked one. 
Carter stared at them, her mouth open. She nodded. We'd like to ask you a few questions. What about, officer? asked Dan. The other police officer cleared his throat. Someone shot Adam Messner, he said. He's dead. Chapter 15 Carter froze. The police officer strode into the house, shutting the door behind them. Can we talk in there? asked one, indicating the study. We have just a few questions. Of course, said Dan. He led Carter into the room. The two officers followed. They all sat down. Carter was glad Dan was there, handling this for her. He was so calm and collected. If only she could be that way, but she couldn't. She shook as she waited to hear what the officers had to say. Miss Phillips, said the first man, this won't take long. Did you know Adam Esther? He flipped open a notepad and sat with a pen poised above it, waiting for Carter's answer. Carter nodded. We went to Shadyside High. He was in my math class. The other officer said, Did you see Adam today, Miss Phillips? No, Carter lied. Her mind was racing from thought to thought. I know Adam, but we're not friends. I didn't see him outside of school. One of his neighbors said she saw your car parked outside his house this afternoon, said the officer. No, she must have been mistaken, said Carter, shaking her head. I haven't seen Adam today. In fact, Dan and I have been here all day studying. Right, Dan? Dan looked at her, startled at first, and then suspicious. Then he backed up her story. That's right, he told the man. We've been here all day. And where are your parents, Miss Phillips? They're out of town at a wedding. They won't be back until late. The officers glanced at each other, then stood up. The first one snapped his notepad shut. All right, he said. Thank you, Miss Phillips. I hope we haven't upset you. We may have to come back later to ask more questions, but that'll do for now. Carter showed them out. She shut the door after them, leaning against it with a sigh. You did go to Adam's house today, didn't you? said Dan, following her into the hall. Why did you lie about it? Carter hesitated. I didn't want the police to get involved with my troubles with Adam, she replied finally. They might have found out why he was blackmailing me. But I didn't kill him, Dan, I swear it. Dan just stared at her. Carter thought, I've never seen Dan like this before. So cold. What does it mean? She strode up to him and grabbed his shoulders, pleading with him. I didn't do it, Dan. You've got to believe me. But she could see that he didn't believe her, and Carter couldn't blame him. After all, why should he believe anything she said? Lately, she'd done nothing but cheat and tell lies. I'm going home, Carter, Dan said, his voice strangely distant. Dan, will you call me later? I'll be here all alone for a couple more hours. Uh, I'm kind of scared. He stared at her without smiling. Sure, Carter, I'll call you later. Don't be frightened. But his words lacked any warmth. He walked out without kissing her goodbye. Alone in the house, there is nothing for her to do but pace from room to room. She walked upstairs, downstairs, upstairs, downstairs, thinking wild, frantic thoughts, her mind racing through the events of the past couple weeks. As she paced, squeezing her hands into tight fists at her sides, one thought kept popping into her mind. She tried to push it out, but it wouldn't go away. Adam is gone, she thought. He's finally out of my life, forever. My problems are solved. Carter felt a brief moment of relief, but she couldn't enjoy it for long. Because another thought intruded. Adam was dead, and the police knew there was a connection between them. What's happened to me? She wailed out loud into the empty room. I used to have a perfect life. How did it get so messed up? For an hour, she paced the house this way. Finally, the ringing of the telephone broke through her tortured thoughts. It's Dan, she thought happily. It's Dan, calling to tell me he's sorry he doubted me, to make sure I'm all right. She answered the phone. Dan? Another voice whispered. Carter, I know what you did. Chapter 16 Who is this? Carter gripped the receiver with both hands. Who is this? She heard a click, then dead air and a series of clicks. Finally, a dial tone buzzed in her ear. 
Carter dropped the phone with shaking hands. She was terrified. Who could that have been? There was only one person she could think of. Sheila. Carter started to pace again. What does Sheila know, she wondered, shuddering. Did Adam tell her anything? Or everything? Carter felt the panic rise within her. Sheila had been watching her, snooping around, hassling her since the day of the test. Was there something Sheila found out on her own? Just then, her parents' Mercedes pulled into the driveway. She ran upstairs and climbed quickly into bed. She couldn't face them now. Her father would be sure to see the guilt. A few minutes later, Judge Phillips came into her room to check on her. Carter pretended to be asleep. She spent Sunday in her room, telling her parents she wasn't feeling well. She had hardly slept the night before and couldn't sleep that day. She spent the day walking, pacing back and forth in her room, as if it were a prison cell. She was exhausted when she got up for school on Monday morning, but she dragged herself out of bed and made herself go. The best thing to do, she had decided, was to go on with her life as usual, pretend there was nothing bothering her, pretend everything was normal. As soon as she got to school, she realized how futile that was. It was obvious that everyone in Shadyside had heard about Adam's murder. Carter stepped into the school building, smiling at her friends and saying hello to people, but that didn't last long. No one smiled back at her. Her friends turned away, and the others just stared. People stopped talking as she neared them. After she passed them, she heard whispering. She caught only a few of their words, but those were enough. Police. Adam. Murdered. Carter started walking faster down the hall, trying not to look into anyone's face. Then she saw Jill, her best friend. Carter ran up to her, but when Jill saw her coming, she became frightened to back up a few steps. Then she turned and started to run. Carter called after her. Jill, wait! Jill kept running. Carter started to chase her, then stopped. She couldn't blame Jill for being scared of her. After all, Carter had put her through, but they were best friends. She seemed to have become a freak overnight. No one was on her side, not even Jill. She had no one, no one but Dan. She had to find Dan. She had to find someone who believed in her, someone who would help her. He'd be upstairs, hanging out by his locker. She ran up the steps and down the hall. She saw him. He was alone. She ran to him. Dan, she called. He turned to her. One glance at his face stopped her cold. He didn't smile. His eyes were ringed with dark circles. Hi, Carter, he murmured softly. He shifted his weight. He seemed uncomfortable with her. Carter tried to ignore his coolness. She was desperate for someone to talk to. Dan, she said. Why didn't you call me yesterday? He avoided her eyes. I couldn't, Carter. I'm sorry. Carter couldn't believe it. He's suspicious of me too, she thought. He's nervous around me, just like everybody else. Dan was her last hope, and she grabbed him by the arm. Please, she uttered in an urgent whisper. Not you too. She tugged at his arm, trying to get him to look her in the eye. But he lowered his gaze to the floor. I don't know what to say, Carter. How can this be happening, Carter thought. Dan is against me too. Chapter 17 Carter made it through the rest of the day. She had no idea how. When she walked away from Dan, she just shut herself off, turned her thoughts inward, away from everyone else. She avoided their eyes, didn't listen to their gossip. She moved through the day like a zombie. After a couple of days, the kids at school stopped staring at her so much. No one talked to her, but at least they sat next to her in class now. At home, she jumped every time the phone rang, thinking it would be another threat, but the calls were never for her. Jill didn't call, and Dan didn't call. Sheila didn't call either. Maybe everything will be okay now, Carter thought. Slowly, my life will get back to normal. The kids will forget about Adam. Dan will relax and come back to me. Maybe, Carter thought, the worst is over. Then, one evening, Mrs. Phillips dragged the judge out to a charity benefit. Dressed in a sequined silver evening gown, she came downstairs to the living room, where Carter was watching TV. "'Will you be all right tonight, Carter?' Mrs. Phillips asked her daughter. Carter didn't take her eyes from the television set. "'I'll be fine.' Mrs. Phillips sighed and cast a glance up at the staircase. 
"'What is taking your father so long?' she murmured. Then she shouted up the steps, "'John, we're going to be late!' A few minutes later, Judge Phillips appeared, adjusting the bow tie to his tuxedo. "'Why do we always have to be the first to arrive at these functions?' he grumbled. "'We have no choice, dear,' his wife replied. "'I'm the chairperson. I've got to be there first to greet all the guests.' "'Next time you can go without me, then,' said the judge. "'Oh, John.' The judge paused in the doorway of the living room to say goodbye to Carter. "'We won't be long,' he told her. "'No matter what your mother says. I'll make sure we're back at a decent hour. I've got a lot of work to do tomorrow.' "'Okay, Daddy,' said Carter. "'Are you going to be all right here, all alone?' he asked. "'I already asked her that, dear,' said Mrs. Phillips. "'She says she'll be fine. Now let's go.' "'Maybe you could ask Jill to come over and keep you company for a while,' the judge suggested. "'And remember, don't open the door to anyone.' Carter said nothing. She couldn't ask Jill or Dan or anyone else to come over and keep her company. They wouldn't do it. "'She can take care of herself, John,' said Carter's mother. "'Good night, dear. Don't stay up too late.' "'Bye,' said Carter. She breathed a sigh of relief when the door finally closed behind them. Lately, she felt completely comfortable only when she was alone. She microwaved a frozen pizza and sat in front of the TV to eat it. She had never watched as much TV as she had the last few days. There's nothing else to do. After a couple hours, Carter started to feel bored and sleepy. But it was only a little after nine. Too early to go to bed. She settled into the couch and clicked the remote control to see if she could find something better to watch. Suddenly, the television went off and the lights flickered out. Hey, what's going on? Carter wondered out loud. She was sitting in complete darkness. Carter sat up alert. She thought she heard a noise. Bump. What was that? Her heart jumped. She listened again. Another bump, followed by a scraping sound. Someone was walking around in the house. In the basement. Call for help, she thought, panic rising in her throat. She got off the couch and made her way into the kitchen. Her hand hit the phone and knocked it off the hook. She grabbed the wire and pulled the receiver up from the floor. Then she raised it to her ear. The line was dead. Frantically, she pushed the buttons. Silence. Dead. She dropped the receiver when she heard a creak on the basement stairs. A footstep. Another. Coming up the stairs. Terrified, Carter backed into the hall, leading back to the living room. The footsteps slowly continued up the stairs. Carter bumped into a small table. It fell over with a clatter. With a cry of panic, she kicked it aside and kept backing up. The basement door opened. "'Who's there?' Carter whispered. Now she heard someone walking toward her, down the hall. Closer. Closer. "'Who's there?' she called out in a trembly voice she didn't recognize. No answer. Just footsteps moving in on her. Closer. Closer. Carter's back hit a wall. She stopped, pressed against the wall as if she could break through it. The footsteps moved closer. Now someone spoke. "'Careful, or you'll break Daddy's heart.'" Chapter 18. Adam? No, no way. Adam was dead, but who else could it be? Adam? She called. No response. Another footstep. Another. She struggled to see through the darkness of the windowless hall. Adam? No, no, it couldn't be. Was it Sheila? Carter slid along the wall until she came to the door to the study. She backed inside. The footsteps moved closer. The intruder was at the study door. She could make out a ski mask. I'm trapped, Carter thought, trembling. I'm trapped. I'm dead. Her knees started to buckle as she backed up against her father's desk. Then she remembered. The gun. She stumbled around the desk as the footsteps moved into the room. The intruder was almost upon her. She felt for the top drawer and yanked it open. With trembling hands, she felt around for the gun. Where was it? It was gone. Chapter 19 The intruder leaped at her. Carter fell back and the stalker lurched forward with a low grunt and pinned her against the wall. She tried to scream, but he grabbed her by the throat, clamping his other hand over her mouth. Carter knew this wasn't Sheila. He was too big, too strong. It was a man. A man with huge hands. As she frantically struggled to free herself, 
He gripped her neck with both hands and squeezed her throat. Carter gasped. All that came out was a squeak. I, I can't breathe, she realized. She choked. You were a lucky girl, the man said in a low voice. I tried to run you off the road, but you slipped away. Not this time. This time the message will get through. He gripped her throat even harder. Her lungs ached for air. Stars began to dance before her eyes. He was choking her to death. The stars grew brighter, brighter until she couldn't see. Then Carter was swallowed up by a blinding white light. Chapter 20 A faint wailing sound cut through the silence. The wailing became a scream, louder, louder. The white gave way to flashing red lights, sirens. Sirens, the police! All at once, the man's grip loosened on her throat. Wheezing loudly, Carter sucked in a breath. The blood pumped back to her brain. She screamed. The sirens were deafening now, from right outside the house. The man's hands slid off her throat. She was so dizzy, so dizzy. She screamed and crumpled to the floor. She heard a loud crash, heavy footsteps. The intruder started to run. Carter heard someone shout, Freeze! Another voice cried, I've got him! Carter sat up. The dark room was spinning. A flashlight beam bounced off the wall. Then the light hit her in the face. Hey, are you all right? Carter blinked. Someone was helping her up. She raised her eyes to a worried-looking police officer. Miss, he said, can you hear me? Are you hurt? Carter shook her head uncertainly. She opened her mouth to speak. Her throat hurt. I I'm okay, she choked out. Can you walk? She nodded. She stared blankly into his worried face. The officer supported her. He walked her into the hallway. She stood before a knot of police officers. They had surrounded the intruder. He stood with his hands cuffed behind his back. He still wore the ski mask over his head. Carter watched as one officer pulled the mask off. Hesitantly, Carter stepped forward. The officer trained his flashlight on the man's face. Carter gaped in shock. Chapter 21 The man was sandy-haired, heavy-set, about 45 years old. He had a craggy, ruddy face and thick, dark eyebrows. He scowled at her bitterly. Carter shook her head. I've never seen him before, she said. Who is he? I, I don't understand. He knew her. She remembered what he had said. Careful, or you'll break Daddy's heart. Why had he said that? Had he been the one who put the bloody heart in her tennis bag? He had also said that he had tried to run her off the road. Then it hadn't been Adam after all. Or even Sheila. No, it must have been this man, this stranger. But why had he done it? Who was he? Then Carter heard a familiar voice. What's going on here? Where's my daughter? It was her father. Her parents were home. Here I am, Daddy, she called. She ran to him and hugged him. Her mother leaned over to embrace her. Carter, what's happened? she asked. One of the police officers approached them. Judge Phillips, he said. We're responding to a burglary call. Someone tripped the alarm in your basement door. We came as fast as we could. We heard someone scream, forced her way in, and found this man. He pointed to the intruder. He attacked your daughter. Carter's father held her tight. Are you all right? he asked her. Did he hurt you? Carter shook her head. Two officers began to lead the handcuffed intruder away. The judge stopped them. Wait a minute, he said. I want to get a look at this man. An officer beamed his flashlight on the intruder's face. The man glared angrily back at Judge Phillips, but didn't say a word. I recognize him, said the judge. I've seen pictures of him. He works for Henry Austin. Carter lifted her head. Henry Austin? What would he want with me? We're taking him in for questioning now, judge, said the police officer. We'll call you if he tells us anything you should know. Before the officers left, one went downstairs to reconnect the electricity. The lights flickered on. The TV blurred out. Carter switched it off. She sat on the couch with her parents. Her father kept his arm around her, comforting her. Daddy, said Carter, I don't understand. What was that guy doing here? He's one of Henry Austin's thugs, said her father. I think he was using you to try to send me a message. 
He wanted to scare me into letting Henry Austin go free. Carter was confused. What do you mean? Austin's afraid the jury's going to convict him. He's trying to intimidate me, to get me to let him off. Honey, I'm truly sorry. I've often received threats, but it never occurred to me that anyone would ever come after you. You know I'd never intentionally put you in danger. Carter nodded. She understood a few things now, things that hadn't made sense before. Her father was studying her throat with concern. Are you sure you're all right, Carter? Your neck is very red. She raised her hand to her neck. It felt sore, but she didn't want to go to the hospital. It just hurts a little, Daddy, she said, but I do feel a little weak. I think I'll go upstairs and lie down. All right, dear. I'll come up and check on you in a little while. I have to call the district attorney. Carter slowly climbed upstairs to her room and shut the door. She lay on top of her bed covers to think. All along, she assumed that it was Adam who had put the bloody heart in her tennis bag. Now she felt sure that it hadn't been him at all. It had been this thug who worked for Henry Austin. Why else would he have said, careful, or you'll break daddy's heart, when he attacked her? And he had confessed to being the one who tried to run her off the road as well. Henry Austin was trying to intimidate daddy by scaring me, Carter thought. He was sending daddy a message. Let Austin go, or your daughter is dead. Normally, Carter would have told her father about the terrible things happening to her. But since she thought Adam was doing everything, she couldn't. I even thought it was Adam attacking me tonight, Carter thought, shaking her head. How dense can you get? A detective came to the Phillips's house the next morning. Judge Phillips greeted him and took him into a study to talk. An hour later, the door to the study opened. The detective shook the judge's hand and left. Then the judge called his wife and daughter into the study to tell them what the police had said. Mrs. Phillips was very upset. The judge tried to calm her. The police questioned the intruder very closely last night, Judge Phillips said. They got a lot of information from him, and they're holding him without bail. They assured me that we will all be perfectly safe now, and I believe them. He looked at his wife, who sat sniffling in her chair. She didn't say a word. She just shook her head nervously. The judge sighed. Did he admit that he was working for Henry Austin? Carter asked. Her father nodded. And Austin knows he was caught. Now that the police are onto him, I don't think Austin will try any more intimidation. At this point, it would hurt his case, not help it. Carter's mother was still crying. She couldn't seem to calm down. Carter watched her father as she took her mother's hand and held it warmly. Dear, he said, the trial is almost over. When it's all over, all this craziness will stop. Please stop worrying. Everything will be all right. I promise. Mrs. Phillips stopped sniffling. She wiped her eyes and nodded. I trust you, dear, she said. I trust you. She climbed to her feet and made her way from the room. Carter watched her go. Then she stood up herself. Carter, said her father, if you need anything, I want you to know I'm here for you. Thanks, Daddy. She started out of the room, turning back toward her father as she shut the door. He took the gun out of his briefcase and put it back in the drawer. That's why the gun wasn't there when I needed it, she thought. Daddy had it with him. Slowly, she began to feel safe. The thug was in jail. Adam was dead. The police hadn't questioned her about Adam's murder again. Things at school had calmed down, and she'd had no more mysterious telephone calls. There was something else that made Carter feel better. Her father was making an obvious effort to reassure her that she was safe now. Although he was still very busy, he paid more attention to her. He made sure to ask her how she was feeling several times a day. He feels guilty, Carter figured. After all, she had been attacked because of his case, but Carter didn't care about her father's motives. She basked in his attention, and it did make her feel better. It's really true, she thought happily. My life is going back to normal. Three nights later, Carter was studying in her room when the telephone rang. She answered it. Hello? Guess who, Carter? It's me, Sheila. Sheila. Carter was too stunned to say anything else. Her sense of security melted away like ice in a fire. I need some money, Carter, Sheila said. Five hundred dollars ought to do it. Huh? What are you talking about, Carter asked. Why would I give you money? Don't play innocent. 
You know exactly what I'm talking about. You paid Adam to keep quiet, and now you're going to pay me. What? Why should I? I'll tell you why. Because I knew everything. I know all about you and Adam. Adam told me everything. Most of all, I know you killed him. Carter's heart stopped. I, I, that's all right, Carter. Don't bother trying to deny it. I was the one who found Adam's body. I was the one who called the police. I know you killed him. And I've got proof.